0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, episode 290
1: your economy and your future
0: hey guys what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast well it's actually sharing it with a friend more people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way so hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now let us know you did and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book free of charge Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode. We are going to be starting in on a little mini series on taxes and how taxes are affected by inflation. That's what we're talking about today. And in coming episodes, we're going to be talking further about ways you can protect yourself against a rising taxes environment and a rising inflation environment. But first, I wanted to get into how inflation is going to affect your taxes. And specifically, I mean, it's almost has to not even be stated that inflation is just ginormous it's nearly three times as much as it's ever been and even the last year it's twice as much as it was a year ago but i'm guessing your paycheck has not doubled uh to keep up with that inflation now inflation will trigger some significant changes to the nation's tax laws it already has and likely some of these changes to the tax law will allow you to keep a little more money in your pocket so that's the good news Now, inflation has been high relative to history, and so the idea is to not have people just creeping up in the tax brackets just because of inflation. Congress sort of saw that danger of having a tax code and having inflation baked into the dollar. So there are some pitfalls that we need to watch out for, though. The tax code can bite you as inflation nibbles away at your purchasing power. So we're gonna get into some strategies to how to protect yourself against higher taxes just because of inflation. But first, let's get to the good news. Let's start with some good news. First of all, of course, high inflation is triggering some pretty big changes to the tax law. The IRS bumped up the nation's tax brackets by 7%, potentially putting a little extra money in your pocket. And there are plenty of other changes that inflation is going to impact as well in terms of your overall finances. So some tax laws are designed to fluctuate with inflation. That was on purpose. That was by Congress's own design. And they wanted to prevent inflation from causing automatic tax increases. Think about it. If tax rates did not go up with inflation, we'd find ourselves slowly creeping into higher and higher and higher tax brackets as inflation pushed salaries higher. So a lot of the key features in the tax code are tied to the official inflation rate. So for example, the tax brackets, the standard deduction, what you can contribute to some retirement accounts, for example, are they're all tied to inflation. So every year, the IRS, by law, looks at what official inflation has been and then adjusts the provisions in the tax code accordingly. In, in the most recent years, especially in the most recent years where inflation has been relatively low, we've not seen a lot of changes in the tax brackets. But over this most recent year, we've seen record inflation. So our tax brackets are going up by record amounts. Now, this might sound like a great way to save on your taxes, except there are some hidden pitfalls. So another big way inflation benefits our tax bill is the standard deduction. Now, just for those who don't know, the standard deduction is the amount that you can basically subtract from your income before you calculate your tax bill. It's the amount that everybody can get a a big deduction on your taxes, no matter what, above and beyond any other additional deductions you might have. So if you've got mortgage payments, charitable contributions, if those don't exceed what's called the standard deduction, you simply take that standard deduction on your tax bill and throw away all your goodwill receipts and mortgage interest and all that. The standard deduction is going from 25900 last year to now 27700 So that larger standard deduction will shield more of your earnings, more of your income from the income tax. And actually, 90% of Americans use the standard deduction. They don't itemize their taxes. Uh, And and that's going to be even more of us now with a higher standard deduction. Also, don't forget about the estate tax and the gift tax system. Per person, the amount you can have in your estate and not pay any estate tax when you die or leave to your heirs some cash will go from a little over $12 million to a little under $13 million per person. That's a big jump, that's that much more money you can leave your family or your heirs or your favorite poodle. In addition, the annual amount you can give away to each person as a gift will go from $16,000 to $17,000 per person per year. Okay, so that's all the good news as far as how the tax code will benefit us as we're being ravaged by inflation. Now, the bad news. The trouble is that even though the tax brackets might have risen with inflation, So likely to, your pay, your income, probably got a raise last year. Most of our clients did in some way, according to inflation. Uh, And we'll also see yourself bumping then into similar or even higher tax brackets. Also, you didn't just earn income, you also had to spend it. Remember, you spent a lot of income and inflation is hitting us hardest at the gas pump, the grocery store, basically anywhere else you spend money. Where you're also spending a lot more money due to inflation which will increase your taxes remember think sales tax in particular you're paying more money for eggs you're going to pay more sales tax for those eggs also the government doesn't exactly report the real inflation rate in fact they tie the tax increase the tax brackets to the official inflation rate and i probably don't need to tell you that the real inflation Could be even double what we're seeing from the government's favorite inflation reporting measurement the cpiu so there are many parts of the u.s tax code that are not affected by inflation this is another way they sneakily push you into a higher bracket it's an effectively it's a tax increase pushing us into higher and higher taxes just because of the insidious nature of inflation for example there's a ten thousand dollar limit on state and local deductions so as state taxes go up you're getting less and less of a benefit. Also, the child tax credit is remaining at $2,000. That's the maximum per child. And that's not going to be worth as much as it was in 2018, 2019, before we had all this inflation. Now, there are a couple of other provisions that are not adjusted for inflation. One is the amount of capital losses that you can deduct against ordinary income. Capital losses. That is still limited to $3,000. Guys, realize that that's been the amount it's been at since the late 1970s. Now, of course, you can still deduct capital losses against capital gains, and those are not limited in the same way. But for a lot of people who saw market losses last year in 2022 when the market was giving us a drubbing, Uncle Sam will care even less about it since $3,000 is all you'll be able to deduct against your earned income. And finally, since the late 1990s, capital gains, which is what you can exclude from income when you sell your personal residence, is still $250,000 per person, you know, which since house prices have been inflated a lot more than other assets really in the last few years, that means that $250,000 capital gain is less of a tax break when you sell your personal residence. All of these deductions have been frozen in time. It's like looking at a mosquito in fossilized amber. Now, one of the big ones is Social Security benefits. The point at which Social Security benefits become taxable has also been frozen in time as well. Social Security benefits are taxed anytime you have other income that's more than $32,500 for a single person, $44,000 for a married couple. These have been intentionally frozen in place for more than 40 years because of a law Congress passed intentionally. To make Social Security more solvent, we're going to talk more about this in an upcoming episode. So stay tuned to learn more about ways we can still enjoy our Social Security income tax free. Hang tight for that episode. The truth is, guys, taxes will have to go up on everybody. You know, we're talking about inflation, we're talking about this year's tax rates and some specific changes, and those are all fine and good. But the truth is, the math says no matter who wins the next political election, the party that's going to win this nation is the math party math the math party because even if we get inflation back under control the truth is taxes have to go up they have to continue to go up and not just on the rich let's play a little game let's would you like to have a little fun you know we're talking about taxes and inflation let's have a little fun here let's get all the rich people in a room and isn't it true that people most people anyway think the rich don't pay their fair share in taxes i mean i agree sure let's go get those tax cheats right let's go tax everyone who made Over a million dollars last year, let's tax them at an egregious 100% of their income. I mean, wouldn't that be fair? Taking all their money, right? Let's see how much income the government would make. Let's calculate how much revenue the government would collect if we got everybody who made over a million dollars to give up all of their income from last year. So in 2021, there were just under a quarter million people out of 330 million Americans who made more than a million dollars last year. That's not even one one-hundredth of a percent. If we taxed every millionaire, all of them, at 100% of their income, we would only collect $525 billion in revenue. Now, the annual budget of the U.S. government is approximately $6 trillion. Okay, so I think we're still a little short for this bill, right? So, maybe we should bring it down to anybody who makes over $100,000 a year, and let's tax every one of them, At 100% of their income, too. Let's go get all those rich people. 6% of Americans make over 100 grand per year, which is 21.8 million people. Now, if we tax every last person who made over 100 grand last year at 100% tax rates, all 22 million of them, we would only collect $4.9 trillion in revenue. So please remember the government's annual budget is approximately $6 trillion. So guys, we're still about $1.5 trillion short. And come on, let's be honest about this. Are we really going to tax people at 100% tax rates? I mean, we're talking about taking every last dollar they make. No, we're probably not going to see Congress pass something that draconian. However, isn't it likely that they will tax people at 50% or more sooner rather than later? If we do that, we'll only collect $2.3 trillion, and now our budget is $3.7 trillion short. So if we taxed everybody not at 100%, but at 50%, the revenue we'd raise would be less, which means we'd be even shorter on our goal to reaching our budget as a country. We'd still be $3.7 trillion short. That means there's over 300 million other Americans that we could tax at a flat tax of $1,000 a year, and we'd still collect Not enough, we'd still be $3 trillion short. So what will the government do? Won't they print more money, creating a stealth tax called inflation? Now, think about it. Does inflation discriminate whether you're rich or poor? Sure it does. Couldn't inflation be a lot more deadly to the poor and middle class and the upper middle class than an increase in income tax? Now, what if instead of being hurt by the ongoing and devastating effects of inflation, you could position yourself to take advantage of it? Our podcast and our financial firm, Lake Growth Financial Services has made it our crusade to help Americans through what would otherwise be a difficult and even devastating destruction of Americans' financial futures as inflation is taking hold. If you're listening to this, you are likely among the wealthiest people in all of human history. Congratulations on the amazing progress That you've accomplished, and that you've repeated over and over many times in your life. Your income is very likely higher than 85 or 90% of the country if you're listening to this, and you're in the top 1% of income earners all around the world. So welcome to the 1%, guys. Unfortunately, along with all of your success, you've unintentionally painted a gigantic target on your back for the government and the Internal Revenue Service to aim at. Do you think the government will let the other 80 or 90% of Americans go without health care or food, housing, utilities, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? If you're the only person with any money, won't they come after you to get the money needed to care for the 80 or 90% of people who were unable or chose not to take the savings steps that you took to build financial success? You worked many hours, sometimes 60 or even 80 hours a week. You saved. You did without the vacations. You put the money into tax-deferred vehicles, like 401ks, that they told you that you should save into. You lived within your means. You controlled your debt level. You never bought things you didn't need. You took care of the things that you did buy so that they would last even longer. Now, let me ask you, do you think it's fair that the government and the Internal Revenue Service are going to take the money you earned and saved for you and your family and use that money to take care of all the people in the country who were not willing to do the things that you did? And now those people are being rewarded by our system. And will you fund those programs? Do you think that's fair? Do you think that they might even need to take more money in the future because of the circumstances we find ourselves in as a country? Do you think the government is just stupid? No, of course not. I mean, they might look stupid on C-SPAN, but no, they know exactly what they're doing. Seriously, don't you think that they know about the financial strategies and concepts we talk about on our podcast, like bank on yourself type whole life insurance, the things that could prevent them from taxing us. If we're going to require a lot more revenue in this country to keep the promises that they've made, how much longer do you think Congress will allow us to have these products like bank on yourself designed whole life and Roth IRAs and more? Doesn't that leave us with just one question? Isn't it true? That the only people who will be allowed to have these products and strategies are the people who already had them before they changed the law. Think about that for a minute. You have a choice, don't you? This is America. You can be controlled or you can build a strategy that allows you to be in control. Which one do you choose? When would you want to get started? Before or after they changed the laws? 61% of Americans paid no income tax. And yet more than half of these people contributed to tax-deductible IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, 457 plans. Let that sink in for a minute. Most of the people who paid no income tax decided it made sense for them to defer a tax when they could have been paying that tax from day one. This means almost 100 million Americans received no current tax deduction for their 401K contributions and they contributed to an investment vehicle, a 401k or an IRA, that will have lots of income tax liability in the future. Does that make any sense at all? Do we think that it makes any sense knowing what's going to happen when tax rates are going up in the future? It doesn't make sense to me. In fact, Congress passed something called the SECURE Act, which painted itself, of course, as helping retirees have a more secure retirement. But of course, whatever the law's name implies, Usually, the effect is the opposite. Already, some of these changes are starting to move into the tax code, including the elimination of something called the stretch IRA. The Secure Act was passed in 2020, and it eliminated this so called stretch IRA, which allowed people to uh, take an IRA which had been passed on to a kid, a non spouse beneficiary, so a kid or, or a child or children, that is, from generation to generation while maintaining its tax advantages. But now, many non-spouse heirs, again, the children of someone who had an IRA, will have to empty that IRA account within 10 years, dump it out over 10 years rather than over their lifetime. So why does any of this matter? Well, it upends a major tax planning tool that people had counted on for years. In my opinion, it's like Congress broke their promise. Congress changed the rules on folks who were trying to follow the rules, which is a shame but it goes hand in hand with a government-sponsored retirement plan like an IRA or 401k. Guys, Congress wrote the rules on your retirement plan into existence with something called the ERISA Act in 1974. So if they wrote the rules, they can change the rules anytime they want, such as what they did with the SECURE Act of 2020. Now, some people might be thanking their lucky stars to have all their money in Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. But did you know, that even Roth IRAs will be taxed. That's right, even Roth IRAs get taxed. Think about it for a minute. If you inherit a Roth IRA, let's say you had a Roth IRA inherited from mom or dad with a balance of $200,000, the government will expect that you will distribute that money over a 10-year period of time. Now, while that might sound great, well, great, Mark, great problems to have, right? That means you're getting 20 grand a year of tax-free money for 10 years Where will that money go? Where does it go? It's got to live somewhere. That's right. Most people put that money right into a savings account or a checking account or a brokerage account or other taxable accounts. This means that within 10 years, you've moved all of your tax free money in that Roth IRA into something that they can get access to. The government gets your sales tax when you spend it, or you save that money in a friendly government account and they get the taxes on the growth. Don't forget, savings accounts cds money market accounts they all get taxed every single year for the money you keep in those accounts and if you put the money in a brokerage account now the government is getting taxes on any potential gains that you might receive from the brokerage account so from the government's perspective they took a two hundred thousand dollar tax-free asset in that inherited roth ira and forced you to get the money out over a 10-year period transforming that money back into a taxable asset that they can live on rather than you. So I'm not a big fan of these changes that they've made in the SECURE Act on stretch IRAs. So it all kind of begs the question, how can we ensure ourselves that our children, our heirs, are not giving away a disproportionate amount of money that we want to give them over to the IRS? One way is to use financial assets that existed before the income tax was even developed. And guys, life insurance predates the IRS by over 100 years. For many people, permanent cash value life insurance is a great replacement for the stretch IRA. It's actually a better long-term planning vehicle and gives you a larger inheritance, more control, and less of a tax burden. By putting money into a cash value life insurance policy, like a bank-on-yourself-designed whole life policy, what you're doing is you're building that wealth up that you'll never pay taxes on ever again. So even if tax rates double in the future, zero times anything is still zero. And even if you're single and you have no kids, no dependents, it can still be a great vehicle because you can be your own beneficiary without dying. The cash value that builds up can be accessed tax-free during your lifetime. In fact, a guy named Ed Slott, he's known as America's CPA, calls life insurance the single biggest benefit in the tax code, end quote. Wow, that's saying something coming from America's CPA. But why does he say that? Why does he say that life insurance, cash value life insurance is the single biggest benefit in the tax code? Well, because the money in the retirement comes in to your pocket in retirement, totally tax-free. All of the return is income tax-free. In addition, unlike IRAs and Roth IRAs, the payout can also be estate tax-free. Here's a few examples. First, it's tax-deferred growth. Many types of life insurance policies, like whole life insurance, have a cash value component that can grow tax-deferred. This basically means the policyholder does not pay taxes on the growth in the cash value until they withdraw the funds. Now, you can withdraw the funds. Policyholders generally can withdraw all the money you put in there, the premiums you pay, with no taxes due. You already paid your taxes before you put the money in the policy. So the life insurance basis or the money you paid in can come back to you with no taxes due, meaning you don't have to pay any income taxes on the amount you already paid into the policy. Now, there's usually a lot of gains that have built up on these bank-on-yourself-designed policies by the time folks go into retirement. So how do we get the gains out? Generally, if you withdraw gains from your life insurance, it will be taxed. But policyholders can also take out tax-free loans against their cash value of their bank on yourself designed policy loans for income loans are not considered taxable income and they do not have to be paid back although the outstanding loan will reduce your death benefit when you ultimately pass away which brings us to the next piece there is a t- income tax free death benefit as well the death benefit paid out on bank on yourself designed policies to your beneficiary is income tax free so some people are really surprised to learn that you know, Although we've been talking about plenty of tax advantages during your lifetime, the death benefit on these policies, even that would be income tax-free. So that's another great way for life insurance to evade your income tax in your family. But there's another sneaky tax waiting for life insurance, and that is something known as the estate tax. Now, there might be an estate tax on your death benefit. Remember, right now, the exclusion is a fairly large $13 million. However, you can leave your death benefit, if it's more than $13 million, you can leave it to a trust. And you can even avoid the estate tax by doing so. You can use an IRA to fund a trust. But it's super complicated. And many people run afoul of some of the rules causing excessive trust taxes. Life insurance removes all that complication, all of that risk. So in short, life insurance... Is one of the most flexible vehicles to fund a trust with we can get into further detail on that reach out to me if you'd like to learn more about uh, funding a trust with your life insurance so as we wrap up this episode keep in mind there are a lot of forces at work pushing against your capacity to be financially solvent we all know the internal struggle of preparing for a happy retirement a financially stress-free future you know we want to buy that Internally, we want to buy that stuff. You know, we want to buy that fancy car today. We want to satisfy our instant gratification. But beyond our internal struggle of living solvently and trying to save for our future, there's an exterior force called taxes, inflation, that insidiously whittle away at your income security. In fact, we could add to taxes and inflation. We could add to that market volatility. We could add to that sequence of returns risk. Fees on your investment accounts, longevity risk, so many hidden vipers in your portfolio. Don't let the snakes rob you of the hard work you're doing to set aside for your future. In the next episode, we're going to go through some very practical strategies for saving on taxes, both now and in the future. But I got to make you wait a week for it. So thank you for joining me this week for Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy